Welcome back to a quick timeout, continuing our bonus episodes this week for the NBA free agency. Today's conversation focuses on the Philadelphia 76ers, and to have that conversation, we're privileged to have Rich Hoffman, Sixers writer from The Athletic on today's show. Rich, do you feel better today about the names on this team's roster than you did a week ago or worse? Whew, that's that's a tough question. It's it's certainly very different than what uh, a lot of us had expected with the the idea of running back last year's roster. Um, I I think you can make an an argument that they have upgraded in talent with Josh Richardson and Al Horford coming in, Jimmy Butler and JJ Redick going out. But I do think last year's team, you know, especially at the end, the team in the playoffs made a little bit more sense. Like I think. Right now, I want you kind of wonder if the Sixers have two players who are best uh, deployed at the five in, in Horford and Embiid. And then you also wonder uh, Jimmy Butler for all of, you know, the potential problems he can cause. And, uh, you know, it, it's he's not always the best fit with Ben Simmons. He was the guy who ran the offense at the end of uh, at the end of the games. And I'm not sure who that guy is right now. We saw even this year how quickly things can change due to team injuries and even throughout the season with load management. Who's running the offense for the Sixers when Ben Simmons is on the floor? And how confident are you in that guy? I, I don't know. And I also think the loss of Redick is is kind of critical in that because although he is not your, your typical Jimmy Butler, just clear out and let him get a bucket uh, type of player, one of the ways they, they skirted around this uh, – when Ben Simmons wasn't on the floor was they ran two man game with JJ Redick and Joel Embiid all the time. It was a really unique, good play. And it was, you know, he was able to get Embiid really good post position and easy shots. It, it'll be really interesting. Uh, I, I think the answer is probably Tobias Harris, who they just paid $180 million over five years, pretty close to his max deal. And, you know, I think going into the offseason, we kind of wondered if they did bring everybody back, would Tobias Harris be happy, you know, being a fourth option? Well, because Butler is gone now, I think you could argue he might be their first option at the end of games. On the other side of the basketball, um, every night, almost every night in the NBA, you're facing some sort of an elite guard. And over the years, the Sixers have had guys like Robert Covington and Jimmy Butler defending those guys. Is Zaire that guy now, or are Simmons and Richardson going to have to chase around those guys, guys like Kemba and Kyrie and Curry? Yeah, I'm really interested to see what Zaire uh, looks like this year. I mean, his rookie year, obviously, as somebody who's covered the Sixers for a few years, you're pretty used to weird stuff happening. Um he might his situation last year might take the cake. I mean, he was really, really sick, and uh, for him to even make it back on the floor last year was was a good sign. Uh, it's a big summer for him. Yeah, I, th- I think he he will get a chance. I think Matisse Thybul will get a chance in the in the rotation in the the starting lineup. Josh Richardson seems like the the key there. And it, last year, even though the Sixers were very good, Butler that was not quite his strong suit. During the season, these small guards, the Kemba Walkers, the Kyrie Irvings, Simmons did a nice job in the playoffs, especially against D'Angelo Russell. But that that seemed like their weakness. And now they have this comically big starting lineup, which goes six, 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 nine, six, ten, six, ten, seven, two. I think Josh Richardson will get the the first chance to uh, to have that that role. But it's important because uh, 
I, I mean, it's, I think that's one of the bigger question marks defensively. Uh, you know, it seems like they'll have the paint completely sealed off with, with players like Embiid and Horford, but how they defend those smaller players is, is going to be important. So Zaire's going to get a chance for sure. JJ's gone. Jimmy's gone. Tobias Harris wasn't that great from three in the playoffs. No. Where, where does the three-point shooting come from? That's that's interesting too, right? Because I, I think they have kind of – I feel like they've come out even with the three-point shooting with the trade here because for for all of the things that Jimmy Butler did provide the Sixers, he was a really unwilling catch-and-shoot player, which is not the greatest fit around Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. I, I forget that we had the numbers today. I think he took like 1.5 per game. The good news is Josh Richardson takes like five a game, and I'm sure he'll have plenty of more opportunities. Uh, it, it's interesting, though, because, yeah, not it's not just that you lose J.J. and his shooting percentage. It's that other teams had to game plan for him shooting, you know, running 18 miles an hour to his right and, and being able to pull shots. Uh, that's going to be tough to replace. And, you know, Horford is a good three-point shooter, but he's not like a stretch four type sniper. Uh, you know, he's... I think most of his three-point shooting that we saw it with the Sixers was was better used in, in kind of a five-out lineup when he was the five. Um, it's it's a good question, and I, I also think uh, Tobias is is going to have to step up. And yeah, I mean, even outside of the three-point shooting, Ben Simmons, you know, they they put him in the dunker spot the whole playoffs. Uh, that that's not going to happen anymore either. So yeah, I think just overall offensively, I, I think you know on the other end of the ball on defense, I think they're going to be very good, potentially elite. But yeah, offensively, there are a lot of questions about this team and uh, I'm excited to see what it looks like. You know, I'm not going to say it it can't work, but uh, yeah, I think there are a lot of question marks about the shooting and the shot creation. Focusing in now on Ben Simmons, news that he signed that big contract just a few hours ago from the time that we're having this conversation. Uh, I heard somebody ask this earlier in this week. So if you think this is the dumbest question you ever heard, don't get mad at me. (laughs) Do you believe that Ben Simmons can be the number one guy on a championship team? Not with his shooting where it is right now which was non-existent um i i certainly think if if he can somehow figure out even i don't know an an 18 footer when when people go under uh he's he is one of the trickiest pieces in the nba because first off i think he was a a well-deserving all-star last year the the defense he can play when he's locked in the rebounding his ability to push the ball and pass like it's it's really a, a very unique player, but I, I think we've seen two playoffs in a row now. Uh, he's become, I don't want to say completely invisible in the playoffs, but f- fairly invisible. And, and you know, it's I think there's a lot of argument over what position he is, whether he's a four or a one or a five. The problem is in the way the NBA works, if you play off the ball at any of those positions, it's much better to be able to shoot the ball. And, uh, you know, I'll be fascinated to see it. I I think he certainly has the talent, but his jumper is a long way from being where I think it needs to be to get to that level. If he can figure something out there, though, I mean, everything else is in place for him. Do you think that there's any kind of concern from, you know, the Sixers management at all? I mean, this isn't something that that hasn't been told him before. I mean, even coming out of high school and entering into LSU and they said, you need to get a jump shot. Is there any kind of concern because we are that far along and and he hasn't shown huge strides? Uh, They play it off. Like there isn't that much concern. And clearly there's not enough concern to, uh, to not give him a max level contract. Mm -hmm. They seem confident that regardless of how he progresses in the next few years, 
either he will be, you know, a piece here or will be able to be tradable at that, at that contract, maybe on a team more built around him. But yeah, how could there not be concern? He didn't make any progress from, from last year or from his, uh, from 2017, 18, the last year. And, you know, I, I don't like, I'm not a shooting, uh, guru by any means. I, I don't, uh, you know, I, I I can only go by what I see, but I'm pretty sure just from playing and everything, like having your your elbow completely flare out to the left, and sometimes shooting down and and with side spin, that doesn't seem like mm-hmm. a very repeatable shot to me. Um, and you know, there's always been the the rumors that that he's shooting with his wrong hand. He he loves finishing at the basket with his right hand, which is kind of what makes people believe that. And you know, I, I think it's it's a pretty good theory. But yeah, I, I mean it, it's a it's a big problem. They I know they they have switched up their shooting coach this year internally. He uh, he works in the he worked last offseason with his brother, who was a former division uh, division one assistant coach. So you know it's not not a totally unqualified person from what I can see. But yeah, I think the the lack of progress from from his first year to the second year is pretty rough you know and I, I they publicly they'll always support him brett brown has always been very supportive of him but yeah they they know that he needs to he needs to be able to shoot because i mean his his value in the playoffs it, it does go down quite a bit it seems like with with no jump shot last question here i've heard a lot of analysts picking the sixers to come out of the east do you feel any different where, where does Kawhi end up i guess would be my first question um because i think if uh, if he does return to Toronto, I think you, you have to tip your cap to them. They they did win the championship. They were, uh, you know, they were the deepest or they weren't the deepest team last year, but they were the most complete team for sure. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I think Milwaukee certainly losing Brogdon is going to hurt, and you know they, they're not quite as deep, and they're frankly just not as good. They lost Miritich as well, even though he didn't contribute the way they probably hoped in the playoffs. Uh, it, it's interesting. I. I think their ceiling might be a little bit higher than last year, but but I would not pick them ahead of those guys without without seeing how this works. But we'll see. I think they did upgrade in talent. It's just it, it's going to be quite a challenge for Brett Brown to uh, to figure out how all these pieces fit together. But that that's nothing new for him. Any predictions as far as number of wins or how far they get? See, I think they're going to be pretty good in the regular season because to me, the, the playoffs are more about kind of what you're – who has the least amount of weaknesses. And to me, like I was saying, the the shot creation and the ability to get a bucket, that's kind of a fundamental weakness in the regular season though. I think, you know, with smart players like Horford and, and Richardson and, and Embiid and Simmons, they, uh, they're going to be pretty good. And, and the reason they're going to be pretty good is I think they might be the best defensive team in the league. Just, I mean, they'll be able to switch pretty much anything. When Tobias Harris is your worst defender by a lot, I think that's, that's mm. a pretty good starting place. They kind of went from a team last year where their offense, there was really nowhere to hide um, to a team defensively where it's going to be, I think, a lot tougher to attack them. So so I think, you know, somewhere in the low 50s, probably that's kind of where they ended up the last two years. I would say, you know, 50, 52 wins somewhere around there. So much great stuff. Rich, thanks so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule for us. No problem. Just really quickly, if you haven't heard yet about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and other platforms so your show actually gets heard. 
You can even make money from your podcast, no matter the size of your audience. It really is everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That'll do it for this episode. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to never miss an episode. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again at the next time out.